Well, good morning again. I'm going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he gave thanks, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which was for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not finally be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you shall eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And then, when I come, I will give further directions. Father, today, we pray that your spirit would be poured out in this place. Father, we pray that our eyes would be opened to see your grace made new today. And Father, may we be ambassadors of that grace in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my favorite subjects in school, actually my best subject in school, was lunch. That, that was kind of where I was in my element. And I, I loved lunchtime, but there was something about lunch that was really neat. And if you sat through a school lunch, some of you it's been really recently. For some of you, you're going to have to remember a long way back. But you sit in the lunchroom, and there's something that happens in there. It's not just about eating and, and filling yourself with food. It's also about community. It's about belonging. 
It's about being able to sit around the table with other people and feeling like you were connected to them, like you belong, like there was a place at the table for you. And this meal that we take on a weekly basis is more about the community and the belonging than it is simply about filling ourselves. I heard a story recently, it was in the Star-Telegram, Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Um, they're doing a documentary called Town USA, and it's about Alito High School's football team. And there were two um, students mentioned in the article, um, Wes and Seth. Wes and Seth are both offensive and defensive linemen, respectively, for the Alito State Championship football team last year, and are seniors this year. And last year a new kid named Hunter moved to school there. This was Hunter's second or third high school. His parents had moved him around to several different schools because everywhere he went, he was made fun of and picked on and pushed around. He was autistic, and he didn't have a place where he belonged. And so right away at Alito High School, Wes and Seth noticed that there was something different about him. And instead of pointing out the differences, instead of pushing him away like so many had done and picking on him, they invited him in. And it started at lunch. Hunter was sitting at a table by himself, and Wes and Seth walked over to him and picked up his tray and said, come eat with us. And he was a little apprehensive at first because most of the time this would lead to ridicule and being made fun of and picked on and pushed around. But this was different. They became friends. And these kids would go to his house and pick him up and bring them to hang around their friends. His birthday came around. And he invited these guys to the birthday. And the mother was so nervous because people like this don't show up to her son's birthday. And she was nervous and she said, I just, I just please, if they invite, please come. And not only did they come, they brought their friends and for the first time, this kid, Hunter, feels like he belongs. In spite of all the differences and in spite of all the, the past, he feels like he really belongs. Paul is writing this letter to a church who's struggling with belonging, who is struggling with unity. It starts out with people picking which preacher they like best. Some like Apollos and some like Paul some like Peter, and they're creating these divisions. And this division comes over the issue of people eating the Lord's Supper and eating it to get full and eating it to get drunk while other people sit around the table and have nothing to eat. He, he writes this letter because there are some walls in this church that are dividing people. And one of the things that I think you could say about our world today is it's possible that we live in one of the most divisive times in human history. And I, I don't think that is an understatement. There is division 
everywhere you look in our world. In, in the church, there was this economic division. You have the, the rich people who don't care about the poor and aren't taking care of their needs. And we have these economic divisions in our world today. But if you watch the news or on social media, you know that there are these political divides. There are racial divides. There are these walls that keep getting built up. These walls that we think are so important that we have to protect. And Paul is writing this letter to a group of people, to a church, a church of Jesus, who is creating these divisions within themselves. Because it's easy to look and say, well, these divisions should occur outside of the church. We would expect that. But Paul writes this letter to a group who is setting up these walls within their own body. And he says, this shouldn't be. In fact, there's a meal that you eat together that says this should not be. And so Paul points back, and this problem is nothing new. This is a problem that started in the garden. It's a problem that shouldn't surprise us. It started with Adam and Eve when all of a sudden the oneness that they had with each other, the oneness they had with God was broken. And now there was this dividing wall. And they no longer saw each other as one, but they saw each other as another person. It's this other woman that you put here with me. She is the cause of it. No, it's this serpent that you put here. And then they have two children that are born into this. And they both offer sacrifices. And one is jealous of the other sacrifice that is offered and how God sees it and he kills his brother. And there is again this division between these people. And as they continue to move east of Eden and continue to go off on their own, they form this tribe, this tribe of Israel that's supposed to be different than all the other tribes that have ever existed because this tribe is going to be to bless the whole world. See, since the very beginning, we have been so good at gathering together on our side of the wall. And if you think like me and believe like me, then you can stand with me. This has been from the beginning. There's this wall that has developed. And this meal that we eat has something to say about 
the wall. For, for these kids at Alito High School, they didn't have to say anything to Hunter, their friend, that he was accepted and he, that he was cared about. Going over and sitting next to him, inviting him to be a part, said everything that their words could possibly say. Doing it says it. And this supper has so much to say that doing it says it. And so Paul says in verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, when, when did he do this? When did he begin? It was the night he was betrayed. It was the night that the people that were gathered around him and circled around him and sharing life with him moved to the other side and said, here, this, this man. On that night, he said, this is my body. And he broke this bread and he passed it around the table. And he said, when you take this bread, when you eat this bread, do this in remembrance of me. Let, let this be a reminder of my body and my death. And then in the same way, he takes the cup and he passes it around and he says, whenever you drink it, this represents the new covenant in my blood. This new covenant that I came to give life and I came to offer, I'm pouring out for you, do this in remembrance of me. And then he says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Have you ever thought of this supper we eat as a proclamation? I mean, generally, when we think of proclamation, we think of standing up and speaking with words. But what he calls this supper is a proclamation of Jesus' death and resurrection. And he says, you're going to do this from the time that I die until the time that I return. Th this is going to define you. This meal that you eat is going to be what my new world is like. That you're going to gather around this table and you're going to celebrate this new body. This new body that began when Christ's body was broken and his blood was poured out and he was placed in a tomb. This new body that conquered death and rose from the grave. This new body that is going to return. And everyone who identifies themselves with the Messiah, who takes on this new identity, the baptized, the in Christ, everyone who takes on that new identity, who bears that name, will be a part of this new world. And this new body is not just simply about you being saved. 
It's about what Abraham in this original blessing, in this original covenant was supposed to be about. Redeeming the world from its brokenness and sin. And those who take part in this supper share in that mission. It's as if in this meal, the past and the future, what was in Jesus' death and what will be in Jesus' return, come to the full center of the picture. And there is this body and this blood that we take from a cup and a plate that represents this death. But it also is this body that will return one day when God's kingdom is fully and finally realized. See, there's this new body and there is this new life. And in this new life, it's not just simply about you. And that was the problem in the church, is people had made this meal just about them. It was to fulfill their needs and their desires. And it wasn't about proclaiming the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so Paul addresses this church. And he goes on, verse 27, So then, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. So so what is this unworthy manner? He says, For those who eat the bread and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. The question is, what does he mean by discerning the body of Christ? Because for so long, I, I thought it was just simply, well, it's Jesus' body that was on the cross. And I think that's part of it. But I don't think that's all of it. Because when he talks about the body of Christ and what he's addressing in this church, it is this collection of people who have been baptized into Messiah. This collection of people who Christ broke down the walls that divided them and made them one. And he says, well, so when you gather, there are these divisions among you, and this should not be. Because what Christ did is Christ made you one. And we have this tendency to see the other. We see the other people, and it's the other people that are the problem. And we talked about it last week. If they would change, then I would be okay. But what you are proclaiming in eating this meal is not just that God saved you, but that God is saving 
the world. That this meal is about the redemption of mankind. This is the cross. It's the cross that's represented. And when we enter into his death, we are dying as he died to our ways. And if we're going to die to ourselves, that also means that we are going to have to die to the walls that we have worked so hard to create. Are, are there walls within the church? Yes, there are. We, we create a lot of those. Are, are there walls outside of the church? Yes. There are. But if you are going to take on this new identity in Christ, then you are going to have to sacrifice the walls that give you such security. It seems that throughout history, God has provided for his people where they were. And he's provided for them with food. In Egypt, it was the hand of someone else, their slave masters, that fed them. In the wilderness, it was the hand of God as manna fell from heaven. As they entered the promised land, they began to eat the fruit of the, the land. And in Joshua, he talks about that, that the day they ate of the fruit of this land, the day after the Passover, no more manna came. It's almost as if God provides these meals that people need where they need them and when they need them. And before Jesus leaves the earth, before he's died and is buried and resurrected, he begins this meal. This meal that comes out of an old meal, a Passover meal. And he says, we're going to begin this new meal together, and this new meal is going to give life to everyone. This new meal that we're going to take is going to be something that can break down these walls. This, this new meal is going to look a lot different. How old do you want to live till, Chuck? How, how old do you want to be when you die? 90? Okay. We'll go to 90. So you have this very finite time. This time that you have here on this earth. And, and for me, if I were to live to 90, I think about all these big days when I graduated high school 
when I graduated high or college. When I got my first youth ministry job and when I came to Shiloh. And I'm 38. And I think about how much time I really have left. Like, like in the grand scheme of things, if you live to 85 or 90, in the grand scheme of things, we don't have a lot of time left. And it gets shorter, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be demented, and I'm not trying to, to scare you. I'm just saying it gets shorter and shorter and shorter. There's not much time left. But one thing that we are, are promised in Christ is that for those who follow this Messiah, it's going to continue on and on and on and on and on after this. But one of the beautiful things that this mill says is that new life that begins on the other side of death doesn't begin just simply when we pass away. That it actually begins when we die to ourselves and we enter into those waters. That, that new life begins there. And this meal that we eat is a proclamation of this. That death is not the end. And the walls that we create to divide us are no more. Paul in the book of Ephesians, writes this. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself, this is the one you're entering into through his death, burial, and resurrection, to create within himself this new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to, to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. I, I wonder, in the time that you have left, what is it that you're going to spend your energy on? 
Is it going to be spent building more walls? Is it going to be spent on creating hostility to the people who are on the other side? I mean, there's so much in our world today that divides us. There's so much in the world today, and you only have this much left. For some of you, it's even shorter. Will your time here be be spent breaking down these barriers or building them up? See, this supper, it represents this new body that we have, this collective body. It represents this new life that we have in Christ, but it also represents this new world. And when we eat the the bread, when we drink the cup, what we're saying is we're a part of this new world. And we're going to behave, we're going to act in such a way that invites people into the conversation, that invites people to the table, that invites people and says there's no walls that divide us. All are welcome at the foot of the cross. No matter where you come from, no matter who you are, no matter where you have been, you are welcome here. See, here's the thing. It's so easy to say right now. But in this world, there is so much safety and security behind the walls that we've built. And it is going to take courage for you to step across the wall to the other side and not see those people as others, but to see them as one. Because it's really easy to hate people at a distance. I think social media has made that so easy for us. The news, the media has made it so easy to hate people at a distance. It is much more difficult to hate people up close. And when you step across those walls that divide us, politically, racially, economically, and you sit down with that person and you have this time where you talk and where you listen and you have the opportunity to tell them about this new world that God is creating. See, here's here's the beauty of the cross. That in this cross, God is creating this new humanity. And he's broken down the dividing walls and invited you to come. And I don't know about you, but I am so tired of the walls. I'm so tired of the division. See, it was in the cross that all of our differences were invited to the same table to eat together, to share. I wonder, who is it that sits on the other side of the wall from where you are right now? In our church, 
in our world? Who, who sits on the other side of the wall? And if in the end, you had to share a table with them, you might be disappointed. That question gets really real. And what I can tell you is to step across that line, to step over those walls, is going to be unpopular. And it's going to be different than what everyone else does. In fact, if you do it, you may die. But that was supposed to have already happened. question is do you believe it and the the question I want to leave you with this morning what if we actually allowed this meal that we take to produce within us what it proclaims about us well no this This supper, this meal proclaims about Jesus, yes, but you entered into Jesus. And it proclaims you sit at a table where everyone is invited. Young and old, black and white, Hispanic, American, Republican, Democrat, that we come together this feast. And this morning we come to this table. And I think maybe more than anything, this table confronts us. It confronts our indifference. It confronts our prejudice. It confronts our selfishness. And it asks the question, are you really, again, ready to lay down your life? so the kingdom of God may be seen in you. Father, today, Father, I pray that we, as the body, would help to bring down these dividing walls. And as quickly as the cross tore them down, we tried to begin building them back up. Father, give us the courage to step across. Give us the courage to to break them down. Give us the courage to listen to people who don't act and think like we do. To have conversation. Father, so that we may invite them to the table in the presence of the Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.